The following is a conversation with Andy Scott, one of the UK's top amateur bodybuilders, having won numerous titles over the last 10 years. Andy specialises in muscle growth and has developed a variety of tools, systems, protocols and training methods that has enabled him to gain over 50 pounds of muscle over the course of the last five to seven years. This is Inside Matters. My name is Dr. James McElroy. I hope you enjoy it. Let's talk a little bit about what bodybuilding is and what the difference is between the competitive bodybuilding and I guess the bodybuilding you could do from the age of 40 mm-hmm. till whenever. Yeah. So what, what are the differences? In- uh, well, competitively, you've got the competitive, whole competitive nature in it. So we're trying to develop the most developed physique across, if we're talking about stage day, you're talking about being as conditioned as possible, as low body fat as possible, the best structure, the best flow, best symmetry, um, all these aspects come into play and you're then judged to the man next to you on stage. So, um, and then recreational bodybuilding, you're just purely doing off what you desire to see in the mirror. And um, like right now, um, I compete as a super heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that mean? Super heavyweight is 225 pounds and over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm literally just trying to get as big as humanly possible. Um, obviously, I don't. The thing about bodybuilding as well, we're not just trying to go for sheer mass. We still do need to kind of, you know, structure our training in a sense that we're trying to almost like quote unquote carve the body um, out of stone. So um, I've always struggled to bring my shoulders up. So like, I need more shoulders that will emphasize my taper and things like that. So we're not just purely trying to add muscle everywhere. But if you are going to break it down. To, to kind of general terms, it would be just trying to get as big as humanly possible just now. So, I mean, I compete, to give you some perspective, mm-hmm. not to blow, like, blow smoke, but I would say I'm one of the top amateurs in the, in the UK mm-hmm. and I'm getting beaten by guys who are 10, 15, 20 pounds heavier than me. So that gives you some perspective and that's a lot of size. And that's presumably... It- pure lean yeah that's mass. lean tissue that's when, when you're on stage like what's your body composition it's like you're you're at your biggest but you're at your leanest as well yeah essentially yeah yeah so the absolutely zero body fat well not zero but that's impossible but right. um if it's we little, go by mm-hmm. there's there a machine in my gym that we use obviously the, the most accurate is a dexa scan but we don't have access to that right. um, but the machine was telling me i was something like just under three i'm a leanest three percent just under three. Wow. Yeah. And the average male is like 19, 20, yeah, something? Yeah, 20, 20-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so. you'll start to see your abs at what kind of level? I would say just, just above 10, I'd wow. say. Yeah, so um, it's not a nice state to be in. It's, it is not pleasant how, at all. How but. do you feel when you're at that level? Um, the most basic of thoughts, like, honestly, I've come, there's been times where I've been like struggling to remember how to spell my name. I've been, I've been that depleted and just brain fogged. Um, just the most basic of tasks, like like pouring a cup of coffee. That is like, oh, God, I've got to pour a cup really? of coffee. Yeah. Um, I've got quite a big kitchen, right? So my sink's over here and my fridge is over here. So just be like, I've got to get something from the fridge. Right, I need to be strategic about this. I need to, like, if I've got to get this, I'll get this, get this, get this. That means only to do one trip going to the fridge. It's like wee things like that's, that. That's how your day goes? That's how, yeah, the whole day. Yeah. And if, let's just say you've got the show on date X. Mm-hmm. How, like, for how long before date X do you feel like that? Because mm. it sounds, I mean, your quality of life 
It's awful. Yeah. It doesn't sound <laughs> doesn't sound amazing. Uh-huh. Um, let, let's also talk about how you get the energy when you're on stage because you've got to perform. Mm. What do you have to do when you're on when you're on stage? Right. So there's um, in competitive bodybuilding, open bodybuilding. There's let's go here nine nine poses. That's what we call compulsory poses. So we do these poses next to each other. The judges will move you. Um, they'll shimmy people around. They want to compare who they think is number one next to. Who's second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth? So they they say right, this person's looking particularly good. Yeah, they're looking particularly good. Let's get them together. Yeah, and see and see where they to line up. So and that that sort of whole thing around they look good mm-hmm. is their set criteria. Yeah, yeah, they're set. Okay. So each most bodybuilding federations, IFBB being the number one, that's like the FIFA of bodybuilding. Um, they all have set criteria of what they like to see the most. And there's also bodybuilding's a bit like fashion. Is you've got all these trends. So some years, like currently, the the current Mr. Olympia, which is the number one guy in the world, he's a monster. Like uh, Big Rami. I don't know. He's, he's got a... Mark, can we... Um, a Muslim name. So what can we get Big Rami up? Yeah, we'll have a look. It's pretty easy to get, find. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so he's currently number one. And in his off season, which is the point, which is the time of the year where we put on size... Um, I think he's currently 153 kilo and he's only five foot ten. So, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> oh my goodness. That gives you um Okay, so he's so. he's huge. So so the current trend is mass. Just size. Just size, right? Yeah, oh here we go. There he is. Here we go. I don't know how many of these will be photoshopped, but Well that that's interesting. So how So that's his last win. Wow. Mr. Olympia. I think he's probably about wow. two hundred and ninety pounds there. Wow. I so. mean to to get to that body fat with that mass. Mm-hmm. That's surely going against. In fact, the whole the whole process of trying to lose as much fat as possible whilst preserving as much mus- muscle as possible mm-hmm. goes against, like what we've evolved yep. to do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to look like that. No. Yeah. So, 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 <laughs> bold, so, 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 big Rami's is is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, have bodybuilders just been getting bigger and bigger? Yeah, yeah. Um, Why is that? Just. Well, what, every sport advances. I mean, what was the 100 metres back in the 60s? Mm. You know, it couldn't have been under 10 seconds. So mm. um, every sport has evolved. And bodybuilding, as many people don't want to admit it's a sport, I consider it a sport. Um, it has evolved and it's just people just want to push the boat more and more and more and more each time. So there is a there is a limit to human growth. Um and and what, what is that limit? Has anyone achieved? I think Big Rami's close to it. Big, Big Rami's is probably yeah. as big as a human can get. Yeah, we are we are genetically bound. Again, that's another thing people don't like to admit. Um, you know, we are we are genetically bound um, to, as to how much size you can actually put on before it becomes you know, to detriment to your, your health. You know, um, so I, I mean, presumably a hundred and fifty three or whatever it was, sorry, mm-hmm. kg mm-hmm. and five foot ten. Mm-hmm. Is it not starting to be detrimental? To oh, it was detrimental about 20, 20 kilos yeah, ago. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I mean, right. from for myself, I'm not that heavy. I'm this morning. I was one hundred and thirty-five kilos. So, it's a twenty so. kg difference. Yeah. yeah, and I'm that. That's um. He's way leaner than me as well. So, and I'm an inch taller. So, so. Is, is your aim, Andy, to to be better than Big Rami? So you're you're going to have to get. Um, that big or no no I, w- I wouldn't say so no that physique to me um it was just up on the screen i i can say i know it's impressive it is impressive to me but that is not the kind of look that i'd want for myself right. it's it's too big 
at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm sure there's people who kind of look at me and say that's too big. Mm -hmm. um, but I, th I think I said to you last last week, yeah. like I, th I think I've hit that point where I'm satisfied with how I look. If that's a great place to be, yeah, if that's I, a great place to be. Yeah, if I didn't, if I didn't compete, I w number one, if I didn't compete, I wouldn't be the size. But I think I'd be very, very happy where I am, and I am very happy where I am. Mm -hmm. But I know that if I want to take this sport to another level, I need to mm. push my body to that level. Mm -hmm. So, can I take us back to when we had Big Rami up? Mm -hmm. um, we were talking about Photoshop. Mm -hmm. So how how big a thing is Photoshop now? Mm -hmm. Um, because I guess most people have social media platforms and mm -hmm. they have people they idolise. But it sounds to me like, and we have touched on this in the past, there's a lot of Photoshop now mm -hmm. and yep. people are just editing the way they everything, look. Everything, yeah. Editing everything, yeah. right? So even photos of Big Ramy, who's the biggest guy in the world, mm -hmm. people, or maybe he is editing. So Yeah, well, that photo there that we pulled up there, that, that clearly has a filter on it. Uh, like he is gigantic and he is shredded, but even then they still filter it to make him look sharper and harder. So, yeah, it's. I've said before, if 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 I didn't have the job that I have and I didn't compete in bodybuilding, I wouldn't have social media. I don't think. I think. Um, Do you think it's a dangerous thing? I think with, with some people it is. Yeah. yeah, I think for myself, I'm sure you're the same. You can turn off from it. You're like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean. It's, but I don't know. It's very smoke and mirrors mm -hmm. um, for me. So. We're now straying away from bodybuilding, but that's <laughs> yeah, fine. Oops. Do you think the world would be a better or worse place without social media? And you can give it a bodybuilding angle, you know. Bodybuilding, yeah, it's a better place. Better place without? No, with. With, with right. yeah, because we, the sport is such a cult niche sport. It needs mm -hmm. social media. It's not, you know, it's not on Sky Sports. It's not on ESPN. You know, it's it needs mm -hmm. another platform to get popular and be popular. And it is getting more popular. And I think... Mm -hmm. When I first started, there was nowhere near the amount of eyes on there is <clears throat> that is now. Um, Even if you go back to like Arnold Schwarzenegger and mm -hmm. what what people call the golden the golden era, era yeah, You're training in Venice Beach, and yeah, what have you, <laughs> yeah, was it bigger then or no, no, I, I it's bigger now, yeah, it's definitely bigger now, wow. it's one hundred percent bigger now. It's you've got so many different avenues in the competitive realm as well. It's not just bodybuilding because. To achieve that level of physique, I mean, I've been training for not, I've been training competitively for 10, 11 years, mm -hmm. and then in total about 14. So people don't want to spend that amount of time to, to get to become a super heavyweight bodybuilder. So, and is that how long it takes? You know, 10 plus years of mm -hmm. solid work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What Walk us through like a week to week for you now mm -hmm. and um, give us some perspective on how you feel. And and what what I mean is, so first of all, it's, it's interesting seeing you here speaking to me rather than shouting at me, telling me to <laughs> <laughs> do one more, come on, do one more. But um, I didn't really know what training to failure meant yep. until you started training me. Mm -hmm. And I forget until I have another session with you. Yeah. To be honest with you, ten or fifteen minutes into a session with you, I'm going, "Oh my goodness, am, <laughs> I, am I going to am I going to make it?" Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. when you make it, you feel good. But what I find fascinating and I find it also really inspiring mm -hmm. is that you're doing that every day, yep. every year mm -hmm. for over a decade. Mm -hmm. So give us some perspective on what it's like. Um, initially, 
when I first started training, like I was blown away as well. I was like, ah. I don't really don't know if I can do this day to day, but you do get into a rhythm of doing it. It does become just a kind of like a second nature thing. You do you do get used to it. And now I can't train anything less than that. I really, really struggle. I have to write down in paper, I have to write goals down for myself to tell myself to back off when I need to take certain periods of time to back off. So like um like that external voice telling me you need to back off to like this heel or or whatever. But um I don't know. I just go to that, I just go to a certain place in my head. It's it's a very I think I said to you is I don't know how this is gonna sound, but it's it's a violent place. It needs to be. You know, to put, you know, two hundred and twenty kilo plus on your back mm-hmm. and try and go until literally your legs can't do any more, you need to have that animalistic, right. you know, thought process. Um, and when you mentioned you mentioned it a few times, but it are we talking about failure or are we talking about as heavy as you can to mm-hmm. failure? And then doing it again yeah. and again. Yeah, right. heavy as you can to failure. So um, in terms of maximizing muscle growth, mm-hmm. um, which you mentioned earlier around, like that's that's the key goal. Mm-hmm. Is it training to failure? Is that what you need to do? To add, in my opinion, to add as much size as humanly possible in the shortest time possible, yes. Yeah, definitely. I think you could, the physique that I'm sitting here with, with the same, just talking, the same person, so me, mm-hmm. same genetics, I think I could still get this level of physique mm-hmm. might have taken me maybe 20 years instead. Wow. Training at a lesser um, lesser intensity, wow. I would say. So. so let's talk about the intensity then. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you don't know until you've done it mm-hmm. or you see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, I don't know, there's a videos of you training online? Yeah, I've got a on, YouTube account. On yeah. YouTube? Yeah, yeah. Mark, can we, can we get it up? So um, it's AMS muscle we, on we, YouTube. We can watch. Um, so. but but this this training to failure piece then mm-hmm. has have all bodybuilders always trained to failure? Has uh, that always been the underlying principle, or is it more like was I, it one person who championed it and everyone went actually you know? I would say a, a lot of them did and just didn't know that that was a thing. You know what I mean? Like, okay. so I'm I want to win, so I'm going to push until my body breaks. Basically, yep. I think that's kind of what the, yep. the thought process at the time was. But now we've kind of had more university studies and, and things like that. And a lot of, obviously, body, uh, bodybuilding uh, theory is very anecdotal. So um, yeah. we've seen that, um, oh, there's me. Oh, is all, this, a, is this a promotional video or is this, we'll actually see some- No, this, yeah, is, um, we, we this can, is the intro to my YouTube account. We, we can see- uh, uh, Is this the last one that I put up? Purely by the look on your face in that last video, <laughs> but you're obviously working very hard. If you want to fast forward it, maybe about here six we, minutes. Here we are in Future Fitness. Great gym, by the way. Shout out to Future Fitness. Yeah, shout out to Future Fitness. Yeah, it is. Must also, apologise for my attire. Oh, you're, you're not, not you're suited not, and booted. You're, you're not and, um, repping. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't have suits. So no, you're excused. That. I, d- so. I don't think they have uh, suits. That if uh, you, fit you go to uh, Chris is an interesting guy. He, yeah, yeah. He, he he's always shouting at you. Yeah, he's very which, intense. So which, these are T bar rows. So this is, is probably quite funny. where the intensity you can kind of see. So. I mean, that's just a warm-up weight. That's me struggling to get in because I'm currently putting on size. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, I do things like that. I mean, I have to, like, face away from the weight just to kind of get into the right to get into the zone. Because if I stare yeah. at the weight too much, it's intimidating. Um, I think this is still a warm-up, though, so. Um, so you've got your own video log, right? Yeah. One, and, and your own channel. And yeah, your own channel, yeah. yeah. AMS Muscle, yeah, AMS on YouTube. Muscle. So. Yeah, this is definitely still a warm up. Yeah, <laughs> but you're still working hard. Yeah, so that's I would kind of do like six reps there just to kind of get my body um, affiliated with the with mm-hmm. the movement, even though I've done it a million times. Um, yeah, yeah, they, it's still they, good. So they, they, there you go. I think back a bit. 
there we go. Yes, this must be a proper set now. This is the middle oh, of the drop. There we go. Yes, yeah, so this is the there middle of the go. drop set. So, so you're getting yourself I've hyped already, or you've already done a set? I've already done you? a bit already because that's, that's only one plate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> rewind, rewind. This is how you get big. Not you one plate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what, what, what's the drop set then? Drop set is just uh, an incremental drop once you've, after you've reached failure in a set. So you can see I'm pushing every single yep. plate or every single weight increment to absolute failure after that point. Wow. So I think I've done eight plates. Wow. So that's four there. And, and I mean, you spend a lot of time in future fitness. How many people in there, and this is, I'm not sort of dissing anybody in future fitness, okay, I'm not, but how many people there are training to failure like you? Very few, I think. Right? Percentage-wise, less than 1%. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but like, this is the thing is, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And like, I have no, um, when I have like new guys and girls come in, like, and they, they see that for the first time, like they're, you know, I'm not surprised by the reaction. It's, it is hard. It's very, very hard. It's, you have to, also I didn't, there wasn't just one day I stepped into the gym and started training like that. I was, over time I've, that's evolved. That's evolved like anything. So, um, but how, now. How did your training sort of start and then evolve then to, and also how, this, this training to failure piece, mm. you, will you have to train like that every day now for another 10 years to get to where you want to get to? In terms of, building the size that I need, yeah. But there will come a point, hopefully, where the, the training will need to switch because, um, I mean, I just turned 30. So I still, I still feel good. I still really good. Um, joints and all that are okay. I've had no major injuries bar one. Um, but there will come a time where I have to change things about and use different techniques and methods to, to kind of get the look that I want. But right now, I need to add slabs of muscle to the physique. So, um, yeah, I need to kind of train like that. For the time being, anyway. And so. when you started training, mm. when was that, and how has it evolved since then? Um, I don't know. We bit with rugby. I'm sure you did, like like yourself. Yep. And You're Aberdeen uh, Grammar. Aberdeen right? Grammar. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I played for Aberdeen Grammar as well. Yeah. And also RGC. Yeah. But not uh, anymore. Um, that was a good times. So I've, I've honestly that that time in my life, I adore it. Yeah. I miss it so much. I really the rugby. Miss, I really miss rugby. Yeah, mm -hmm. big time. The team element. Maybe not that. Just the hard game. Just, I just a yeah. good hard game on a yeah. Saturday morning or Saturday but afternoon. Lovely about that. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, definitely. Chris, um, Chris Winter's morning. Yeah, you play amazing on the bus. On the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I, good. I, I do miss that. I tell you though, um, I got the same feeling from my Aberdeen University weightlifting club. Mm -hmm. That sort of team feeling, even though we're all yep. training for ourselves. Yeah, there are videos online of the Aberdeen University weightlifting oh, I remember club. Them, yeah, and it was nuts. Yeah. Oh yeah. There yeah. was like forty guys, mm -hmm. and these days I think there's actually more women in the club than men, which mm -hmm. is really cool. Yeah. Back then there was one, um, and she was awesome as well. She trained super hard. Yeah, but like we used to turn the music up to the max mm -hmm. in there, and then there was just like forty people going up. Yeah, up. yeah. And how could you not? I know, you know, I know, how I know. could you not with that yeah. much energy? And so, I love that. One of the good things about Future as well is it's a good atmosphere, isn't there? Yeah, it's um, although it's not a bodybuilding gym, it is a very supportive gym, regardless of what your goal is. So, um, I mean, I trained at Extreme Gym just next door uh, for years, and I what it's a bit odd because I wanted away from that bodybuilding environment. I grew up in it, so um, I trained at Results Gym in Aberdeen for years with Graham Park, and um, I just kind of wanted away from that scene, but I didn't want to go to a commercial gym. I still wanted a gym that had all the best equipment and. Again, we're not plugging Future Fitness here, but it is the best equipped gym it's got in a good side kit. of the country. So it's um, got a really, really good kit. So, so I, I took us off piece there. Let's let's go back to when you started, started training. Yeah. yeah, and and how that's changed over time. So, 
let's go right back to the start then. I wanted to, I wanted to switch positions. I always wanted to be a flanker. Always wanted to be a flanker. I watched Jason White growing up. <laughs> and I just wanted to be Jason White. So um, I met him countless times as well. And um, He put in some big hits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you remember Jamie Reid? Yeah, I yeah, do. So yeah, so Jamie was always number eight flanker, like, and he was taller than me, maybe three inches taller than me. And I was just like, right, if I'm not, if I'm not going to get that height, I need to get bigger then. So, and then from there, I kind of realised that I wasn't going anywhere with rugby. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure you were the same at one point, like stepping out in, into Murrayfield and with people screaming like that's like the dream. But I was kind of, I don't have the skill set. I'm just not, I'm just not good enough. So mm-hmm. I started to build muscle relatively easily considering what I was eating. I was eating just the usual 16-year-old diet of just crap, basically. And um, I was like, oh, there's there's something here. Is that the, the genetic element, do you think? Uh, yeah, definitely, 100%. Yeah. So some people are just, they've got a predisposition to yeah. building muscle yeah. easier. Yeah, I would say yeah? so, yeah. Yeah, so I wasn't doing anything fancy with training. I was watching YouTube videos, copying that. Um, just literally that's what I was doing, looking at magazines, copying that in the magazine. And... Um, I remember specifically because I, I got a membership on my 16th birthday at JGB down at the oh, yeah. Beach Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. I bought like a new like gym outfit and everything and uh, <laughs> I grew out of it within about a month. Wow. So I was like, oh, wow. yes, this, this is class. So That um, feels good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I never moved up to Flanker. I stayed outside centre until I stopped playing rugby. And, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, one day I was just like, nah, rugby's over. So... Um, I was like, I'm not going to put all this effort into training mm-hmm. without a goal. Um, mm-hmm. There was obviously the vanity aspect. I wanted to look good and, and whatnot, but um, I was like, I need to do something. I'd been watching all these bodybuilders for a couple of years now. And I was like, well. Who was it back then? Yeah, like Johnny Jackson, Branch Warren, Jay yep. Cutler. Um, yep. Um, yep. I was like, cool, let's, let's give that a bash. Um, found the most, the, the best local bodybuilder that I could find, which was Graham Park, Mr. Yep. Universe. Literally just at that gym in the Beach Boulevard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just went up to him and says, "I want to compete." And he was like, "Cool, this is what you need to do. It's going to suck most of the time." Yep. But if you're willing to do that, mm-hmm. fair enough. He was very blunt to the point because I think by that point he'd been competing since before we were born. So he had so many people come Where to him. Where is he now? Sorry. Is oh, he... he's somewhere up in Elgin. He's he's completely got detached from the bodybuilding community right. now. Does he um, still train? I'm not even sure. He's he's big into his photography. Like he he posts like a hundred photos every couple of days on his Facebook. Wow. Yeah, completely shit. Nature types yeah. that. Wow. Cool. Um, we so live in an amazing country for that. Yeah, yeah. Big up, big up Scotland. He used to be the he used to be the Queen's Gardener at Balmoral. Actually. Yeah, yeah. He he done that when he was competing. So he'd do like a <laughs> an entire garden really shift. Funny about that, I know, I know. Do, How did he manage that? Oh, no idea. Because he used to do zero carb diets as well for twenty weeks, and he'd do that. And there's a photo of him like topless with a wheelbarrow in Balmoral. In like even express, it's hilarious. Well, I would I would find that very interesting. I don't yeah. think we can find that one, Mark. That sounds very niche. Yeah, that would be very hard to find. So the, <laughs> the 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 zero carb diet for how long? Twenty, 20, 20 weeks. Yeah, oh my goodness. He's a big proponent of zero carbs or low carbs. And are you? Uh, depends on the circumstance. Depends on the circumstance. So if you've got someone who starts heavy, starts fat, and they're maybe six weeks out from a show. Yeah, you probably have to go zero carbs if you're that behind. Is it um, is that the sort of, in your opinion, the fastest way to lose? Oh, it's one hundred percent the fastest way. Yeah, one hundred percent. But it's not efficient in terms of retaining muscle. Um, you'll lose weight, but you'll lose muscle tissue in the process as well. So interesting. It's um, really interesting. Yeah. So where, where were we? We were talking about Graham Park zero carb diet. Yeah. How your trainings evolved? Yeah. So I met uh, met Graham. 
And then- You did you, your first show. Yeah, so I done my first show in 2012, the NABA Scottish came second. Um, and like, it was those one of those ones where mm-hmm. I stepped out on stage and I was like, I didn't, I barely posed and I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Wow. That's, I instantly knew that was what I was going to do until- So it was the stage element. Yeah, yeah, big time. Like, when I'm on stage, I'm a character. You'll see me when I'm on stage, like, you're like, this cocky arsehole like on stage it's, <laughs> it's, um, it is that and I, I pretend to be that because I'm not real that in real life I don't think I'm that at all but um, I, I pretend to be this this character on stage and um, I just love it it's it's where like I want to be come alive. forever yeah yeah wow. I'm, a, I'm a very confident person mm-hmm. but something being on stage I don't know it just gives me like a level of personality that I just would not have in my day to day life and I love that um, so I mean, you're only on stage. I mean, I've been training 14 years. You spend maybe five minutes on stage. It really is. That's what it is. Literally like running the 100 meters. You train all those years. Wow. And it's over in a split second. Wow. So it's... Um, is it one of these things where you kind of can't really even remember because all the yeah. adrenaline Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then you can't sleep for days after because the adrenaline is just so wild. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I struggle wow. to sleep for days after it. Wow. Yeah. So what happens... Well, t- We'll talk about what happens after the show first and then before mm. the show in terms of like the prep. Yep. After the show, mm-hmm. you've you've been, I don't know, starved? Literally starved. It's controlled starvation. It's controlled starvation. Yeah. So you're you're forcing your mind to, you're trying to suppress all yep. this sort of reptilian innate. That's exactly what it is, yeah. I'm hungry. Yep. We must find your food. Yep. I don't know how you can do anything else other than try and suppress that and that gets back to your, well, mm-hmm. I can't, I, can't even be bothered getting a coffee. Yeah, 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 yeah. What happens after the show? So after the show, um, we put a game plan in place to, uh, sometimes it depends. So uh, what I've done before in the past is I've slowly incrementally put food back up. So we've gone, right, each week we'll add 50 grams of carbs back into the diet. There's been other times like this year where I've gone from dust to going back up to eating 5,000 calories immediately. Um, My body was in such a, uh, a rundown place <clears throat> by the end of that prep that I was like, I need to just put food back in. This I can't waste time putting carbs, like driving carbs slowly back in. So it, it really does depend on the strategy. Mm. Depends on how long you've been competing, how long the season's been. Um, but in an ideal, perfect world, you would incrementally put food back in slowly. That sounds um, safe. Yeah. There's yeah. a there's a syndrome in medicine called refeeding syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know the full ins and outs of it. But my understanding is that your electrolyte balance in the body mm-hmm. can shift if you refeed someone who's been starving for a very long time, very yep. quickly, and yep. that can actually kill them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if maybe it's slightly different because what you're actually consuming food, aren't you, when you're going into a, a show? Yeah. So, and you're, you're probably taking a multivitamin and things like that as yeah. well. So one of the, one of the big issues post show is water retention. So that must tie into kind of what you're kind of saying there. I mean, Mm-hmm. Um, if you, I've I've been on just say, two thousand calories for x amount of time, and then you go and put five thousand in, the the amount of water retention, extracellular water is going to be ridiculous. So that's when you notice blood pressure issues as well. Mm-hmm. So um, how what about your gut? How how do things operate down there? I mean, this is a gut health podcast, I guess. So we yeah. should talk about so it. it depends on how much crap I eat, basically. Um, as I've matured, I can easily come off stage and maybe not even eat anything, just kind of go back onto my diet, totally fine. When I was younger, I would 
I remember the first end of the first season I'd done in 2012, I must have binged every day for about two months. Oh, and wow. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. bad. Like, literally could not control the hunger signals, couldn't control appetite signals, anything. I couldn't control it. I just had to eat all the time. And yeah, my... Wow. My guts were in an absolute, yeah. absolute bits. Yeah. It was yeah. horrendous. So happy. we don't need to go into all the gory details. No, no <laughs> issues on going to the loo and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And, so yeah. now eating the same kind of foods. I like your opinion. I'd like to get your opinion on this. Eat the same foods year after year after year. I found that certain things I just can't tolerate anymore. Uh, my my gut just can't handle it. So mm-hmm. my diet is so specific in terms of sources. Um, what do you mean by that? Like, what, what what's your diet like at the moment? Well, like, for instance, my carbohydrate source is um, gluten-free oats, white okay. jasmine rice. Um, even we things like basmati rice, I can't eat that. I can eat jasmine rice, though. It's just an ever so subtle difference, wow. it, and it makes a big difference to my gut health. Mm-hmm. Um, protein. So if you eat those foods, you get bloated. Bloated, yeah, indigestion. Like loo, yeah, stuff thing, like that, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah so mm. it's very specific, and I think a lot of bodybuilders deal with that over time. Uh, a lot of guys... I've had clients where like we've we've done an elimination diet to kind of find out what's going on with their gut and um we're like, Jesus, the difference. I can't believe the difference even down to blood flow, it's it's different. It's it's insane right. like the differences that you can see yeah. when you actually figure someone's gut out. So Yeah. Well, um I really do want to talk about the anecdotal pieces here in terms of like what would what people call bro science yeah um because that's really just come from anecdote but now that's yeah. starting to align to what the research is saying yeah 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 but also we should we should definitely talk about elimination diets and yep. what I'll call self experimentation mm-hmm. um i think if you're eating the same thing all the time for years then the microbes in your gut are definitely going to change oh, yeah, yeah. and adapt to whatever stimulus you're giving them in terms of their food content yep um so I think it's plausible that if you make a big change very quickly, then, you know, maybe you're not getting as m- many bugs digesting that yeah, because they're not used to it. And then that causes issues with mm-hmm. uh, your gut more generally. Um, what I would say, though, is that I think because of what you do, there really won't be much in the way of scientific literature at all around what happens to the gut yeah. pre and post show. Mm-hmm. I did do some reading about the bodybuilding microbiome and mm-hmm. there's a very, very limited amount oh, of yeah, evidence. Oh, yeah, I can imagine, yeah. Um, but people have done research on what happens to the microbiome with a high-protein diet versus a non-high-protein diet. Yep. People have looked at the microbiome between an athlete and someone that's not an athlete. Mm-hmm. There is a company who's trying to sell you capsules that contain microbes that are derived from athlete microbiome. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh-huh. I mean, to be honest with you, I think that if it was available... Mm-hmm. For you, you you're doing this this prep where you're essentially cutting your food down, and yep. the complexity of your food must change as well because it's yeah. so rigid, and you want to make sure you hit your calories every time. Mm-hmm. I think for you, sort of having a microbial product post prep mm-hmm. might help you kind of yeah, yeah, agree with that. yeah, yeah, hundred percent, and get back to to where you were before. Mm-hmm. Um. So let, let, let's talk about the anecdote then, because this is really interesting. So it's like the, the bodybuilding bro split, if you like, is like, let's train a body part to, I don't know why I'm doing that, but anyways, <laughs> <laughs> let's train the body part to failure. Yeah. And let's split the body parts up. Um, uh, and that failure piece is, is critical. So, mm-hmm. so, that, so people would have said, well, that's, that's just mm-hmm. bro science, man. Like... Mm-hmm. This is what the evidence says. The evidence yeah. says you're going to do, you know, 
point seven RPE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All kinds of <laughs> but now yeah. all the research that's coming out is saying, well, yeah, he was trained to failure. Yeah. So do you think that decades of bodybuilding self experimentation actually has given us a blueprint oh, yeah, for how yeah. to build build muscle? Yeah, hundred percent. Right? Yeah. I mean, when I Honestly, I, I've, I love all the kind of science behind it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an engineer and everything. So I love I love science and all, everything about it. So Did you do that at university? In yeah, I've got a master's in subsea engineering. Um, I can tell you anything about it now. <laughs> <laughs> that was ages ago. Um, but yeah, I, I, love all, I, read all, I love reading all these studies, but the quote unquote bro yeah. that is reading it, I'm like, you know, you're, you're doing a, a study on... 10 people mm-hmm. that's yeah. not that's, that's, a, that's a horrendous spectrum of people to <laughs> to come up with these conclusions of what is optimal for training yeah. and then you look at the spectrum that they're on as well it's like oh like they're all untrained and yeah. you know they have you know they're, they're not tracking anything in terms of nutrition and yeah. not tracking their sleep all this sort of stuff all these wee things that mm-hmm. we do bodybuilders do all the time and you look at the study i'm like okay right okay i, I can see your conclusions but I'm, i still don't buy it mm-hmm. it's um mm-hmm. It really is. It's it really is anecdotal. You see some of the top coaches in the world, nutritional coaches. Yeah, they'll say eat this, and the body will be like, why? He's like, don't know. I know exactly how you'll respond, though. I don't know why it does this. Don't know why it does that. But I know how it's going to make you look tomorrow. Oh, so so, so you're so um, well, just to go back a step, you've got ten to fourteen years mm-hmm. of very rigorous self experimentation. Mm-hmm. So my view is there's not much that a study is going to be able to tell you that you yeah. don't already know. Yeah. Because you've probably so, yeah. tweaked every variable and you've tracked it. Yep. So when you get to your level, like these studies, you mentioned 10 people, your N equals 10 is probably not going to tell you much. Yeah. Are they also people like you mm-hmm. who've been giving it 10 to 14 years? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Pro- probably not. Very, very unlikely, yeah. But um, I, I guess one of the other things just to raise, and, and this maybe goes without saying, is that in terms of funding that goes into bodybuilding research, mm-hmm. I guess the research question would be how to get as big as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And there's finite pots of money that mm-hmm. people give out to do research. And you've got that as a question. And then the other question is how do we cure Alzheimer's? Yeah, exactly. I, I guess, you know, by default, more money is going to go <laughs> yeah, to the yeah. latter. So there yeah, probably yeah, isn't totally. much research that goes into how to get as big as possible. And that's mm-hmm. why the self-experimentation thing is so important, yeah. but also speaking to other people who've been on that journey and, and rigorously logged it yeah. is really important. Um, and actually that relates to the microbiome. Mm-hmm. The microbiome is a new emerging area of science and medicine. Yeah. And people often say things like, well, what do I do? You know, What's the single best thing I can do for your microbiome? What food do I need to eat? Mm-hmm. James, what probiotic do I need to take? And I'm like, well, you know, it's probably very individual and there's yeah. general principles that you can apply. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk more about that, but I'll just bring you back to this. Um, there's some coaches that know if you eat that food, then this is how you'll look. Yep. So tell me more about that because I think that's so interesting. Yeah, again, that's just looking at bodies for 20 plus years. Um, you know, you've got, they've got coaches that in just say, just say you're like four weeks out from a show, fairly lean, not far off being ready for a show. And a coach would just be like, I want you to eat cheeseburger, fries, um, four muffins. Just go eat that. And then just like, but why? Like that kind of defies kind of like fat loss yeah. kind of theory. But then we know the next day you're going to be rounder, fuller, harder. Um, 
Yep. And you can't, you just can't replicate that in a study. You just can't. Mm. Um, no, I agree. So that's, it's very, very, very anecdotal. And like Chris Asato, who's one of the top coaches in the world, top five coaches in the world, he he openly says, like, I couldn't tell you how protein works in the body. I don't know how, but I know what a chicken breast does in the body. Um, I know how it'll make you look, which is the most important part. Like, it doesn't matter if I don't know the science of mm-hmm. how muscle, you know, how, how it's broken down in the body. It doesn't matter. I just need to know how you look after you've eaten it. So he's got decades. Well, he's got he's got Mr. Olympia clients, so which and, is the top number one in the world. And so. do they all go to this gentleman because he he helps them get to a point where they look their best? He seems to have a cracking track record of getting people just in in phenomenal shape. Wow. So you obviously doing something right. Yep, it's, so. it's what we would call know how. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and, definitely. And and he's got all of that in his head. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's probably seen a similar situation before, and mm-hmm. this is what happened. So he's he's got. The equivalent of all these sort of n yeah. equals one studies that you can just pull from. Exactly. So I've I've been coaching for I've been coaching for six years, and, and I've even got a little bit of that. Like mm-hmm. I've had in the past, um, I've just looked at a client and gone, right, let's go 150 grams of rice the next meal. Like, how do you know to do that? And I was like, well, I don't know what it's doing, but I know that we put it there. I'm pretty confident in how you're going to look in the next two to three hours. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's things That's like that. Fascinating. So yeah. Do it's, you log what happens? Or oh yeah, yeah, I write everything down. Yeah, so everyone's got. I got a note, so the the following time we can manipulate even more or or pull back for whatever reason. And mm-hmm. um, I get clients to track everything towards the end of the in their prep, their water, their salt, stress levels. Everything all comes into play in terms of how you look. So mm-hmm. we've mentioned the word prep quite a lot. What what is a what is the prep or a prep? What, so what is it? short for contest preparation. Um, so usually we're looking at a 20, 16, 14 week stint of very, I don't want to say harsh, it gets harsh towards the end. It depends what your starting point is, but you're looking at that kind of time frame to get ready for a bodybuilding show. Half a for, year. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's not an easy feat. And um, bodybuilding's strange because you have people coming into it. For instance, I can't go kick a ball in the park across the road and be like, right, okay, next step, I'm going to be a professional footballer. But it seems that with bodybuilding, people are like, never competed, can barely hold a diet for two weeks and like I want to be a professional bodybuilder. Like you have no idea what you're saying. You have no <laughs> idea the level of commitment yeah. that takes. You do not. And um, open bodybuilding, which is what I do, is the most extreme class of all the bodybuilding classes across both male and female classes. Mm. Um, o- open means open, uh, so like unlimited weights. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, and you've got classic bodybuilding. You've got men's physique. And the women have got four different classes as well. So classic bodybuilding. What, is, what does that mean? So classic is defined. Uh, sorry, is confined to a certain size. So they've got height to weight ratios. So if you're my height, five eleven, wow. you can only be two hundred nineteen pounds at your heaviest. I think. Wow. And that's like the day before the show. So and that this- that restricts how much size you can put on. So that mm. that's where the quote unquote classic look comes from because classically, bodybuilders back in the sixties, seventies, and eighties were smaller. So that's where that comes from. So that's that was going to be my question: is why is it called classic? It's because they look like the classic look. The classic look is smaller. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. Mm. What are the drivers for that? What's changed? I know you said the sports evolved. Mm. D- definitely, the outlook on being super big yeah. is. I'll I'll put my hands up. It's not the healthiest place to be. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm five eleven, one hundred thirty five kilo. That's I must be close to morbidly obese. Yeah if we're talking about BMI scale. So um, I'm definitely not fit. I can lift I can lift a ton of weight. 
I can go to Australia, I can train super hard within that confines of lifting weight, but mm. anything else, mm. even lateral movement, I'm pretty poor. So how do you, how do you how do you feel? And and you mentioned that there's people who they come in and they want to be a pro bodybuilder, but they probably don't understand how rough it is mm. in terms of how you feel. Mm-hmm. So we've talked in the past about I've sort of jokingly said, you know, when do you actually feel good? Yeah. But but um, seriously, you know, That's true, yeah. what 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 is it like in terms of the DOMs, the hunger, the food, yeah. feeling full, that kind of thing? So right now I'm at I'm probably peak off season. So the point where I'm trying to add as much size as possible. I don't remember what hunger feels like, to put it bluntly. Um I'm never hungry. Wow. Ever. Ever. Wow. I'll wake up. Wow. I, so I wake up, I don't eat until two and a half hours after I've woken up. I still have no, I don't want to eat. Wow. But you have to, you have to eat. Wow. Um, there is a, the force, I don't say force feeding because that sounds a bit, that's a bit too strong, but mm. there is an aspect of you have to sit down and eat that meal. Otherwise you're not going to reach your goals. Um, that is way harder than starving. It's force feeding is just a different beast to, really? to being hungry for a diet. Yeah. Definitely, it's way harder. So do you Why en- do you never see you never see massive jack guys? Do you ever really? We're walking down the street. No, you might you might see people who are skinny, quote unquote skinny, lean. Yeah, that's easier, way easier to do. You're talking about your look, like yeah. the the if you know what I'm saying, like the gorilla look. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it's you, do, you don't you don't see it, that. No, like it's for very instance, rare. I, I eat six thousand five hundred calories a day, um, all from clean sources. That's you know not that's not made up with you know donuts and and junk food. And so, why is that the clean? Because there's this if it fits your macros type approach, which by the way I do not buy into at no. all, and we can talk about that in yeah. great detail. But for you, you're trying to get as many calories in as you can, yeah. but you also want there to be high micronutrient content and yeah, things like that. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. I mean, you don't want to. I can get six thousand five hundred calories in from a pizza easy right now. That'd be that'd right. be pretty easy to do. Right. But the fat content that would come along with that, the yep. you know the trans fats, all the kind of yep. horrible stuff that comes with that kind of processed food yep. will be there as well, and that's not optimal for building muscle. You, um, what we talk about the uh, if it fits your macros, like a calorie yep. is not a calorie. Mm-hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a cal like a thousand, a thousand calories mm-hmm. from chicken mm-hmm. is way more efficient for building muscle and within your body than a thousand yeah. calories from pork. Yeah, it is, and you know there's there's raging debates. I mean, I, I yeah. guess a calorie is like a, a measure, a unit of energy, right? And I think the definition is, and I, I don't want to do myself a disservice here, but something to do with water, the amount of energy required to boil a certain amount, of, no, to take a certain volume of water one degree yeah. above yeah, something like that. Yeah, right? yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, so, so, so I guess from a, like a physics perspective, it is, but what, what we're seeing here is that you could have two different plates, mm-hmm. both 3,500 calories for argument's sake. And I think what we're saying is the macronutrient, so the carbs, the fat, the protein split could mm-hmm. be vastly different. Mm-hmm. And what we're also saying is like the micronutrient, so the, the, the vitamins, the minerals, yeah, I'm very interested in fiber, of course, like yeah, non-digestible yeah, yeah. fiber. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm really interested in for the gut. Mm-hmm. That can differ massively between the two. Yeah. And those differences could have an impact on the things that you're primarily interested in. So yep. muscle, building muscle, and building muscle. The look, just the sheer look. So the look, yeah. Like you talk about two different plates, if it's the exact same calories, mm. if one plate is chicken, rice, and vegetables, and the other plate is just whatever, pick a junk food. Yep. 
you will look different yep. on the chicken and rice. You will, just yep. because your body can it can break it down, break it down efficiently, your yep. gut knows how to handle it. Yep. Um, all these wee things I, I think tie in. So. The gut element's huge yeah. and it's it's it's, all, it's overlooked. So you could take a, a, well, let's just say for argument's sake, you know, a plate full of Haribo mm -hmm. and then a plate full of what you say, you know, the, the, the chicken, the rice, the rice will have fiber and we'll say yep. some vegetables, the vegetables have got fiber. And there's various different types of fiber. Um, uh, and carbohydrate, yep. some of which you can digest with amylase and things that your pancreas produces, such like. And then there's elements that you, as in the physical you, mm -hmm. can't break down, mm -hmm. but your microbes break down. Mm -hmm. So your microbes eat away at that mm -hmm. and they produce metabolites that benefit us. Mm -hmm. They might also extract calories, by the way. You know, mm -hmm. short chain fatty acids are a very amazing source of energy yeah. um, that have benefits around the body. So in addition to you will look different, my argument would be you would feel yeah. oh, very yeah, yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You'd feel much better. Mm -hmm. Energy would be more stable yeah. across the day. You'd have regular bowel movements mm -hmm. and they would, there wouldn't be a, you know, we've got to, got to run to the toilet <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And that, but that, but actually I know we'll, it's very taboo to talk about going to the loop. It's particularly in this, kind of society in, in the UK. It's a very taboo subject. Mm -hmm. But if things are working well down there, you're probably going to be happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But if they're not, you are not going to be happy. Mm -hmm. You're going to be worried about needing to run to the loo wherever you are and it's yeah. going to be unpleasant. You're going to be in pain. You're going to be bloated. You're going to have cramp. And, mm -hmm. and actually, you know, we can all take actions every day to help ourselves in that regard mm -hmm. and really what it comes down to is what are you drinking green juice so on yeah what's on your plate yep so that if i fit your macros thing is interesting and i would i would imagine not many bodybuilders are eating things other than the staples yeah right yeah definitely it's it's if it fits your macros is not done at the higher level it's just no. not maybe okay instead of white rice have sweet potato that's as adventurous as it gets. So for me, it's it's kind of like, what are the best in the world doing? Right, okay, well, copy that. You know, it. it's, if if you're not winning shows and progressing or, or attaining that level of physique using, if it's your macros method, then it obviously isn't mm -hmm. superior. What about other, um, uh, and I'm asking this, I, I genuinely don't know, are there bodybuilders who are purely veggie or vegan? Yeah, there are. Not at top level though. Not at the top level. No, not at the top level. Is there a single bodybuilder mm -hmm. who is at what you describe as the top, who is openly, I don't eat any meat at all? Nope. Fascinating. I honestly can't think of one. Fascinating. Um, it's not doable. You cannot build that level of muscle mass without animal sources of protein. You can't. So uh, that's, I, a, I've that's got a big statement, Andy. I know, but it's, <laughs> it's true. I I'm, mean, not, I'm not saying it's not, not possible or not true. I'm trying to understand why. Mm. Is it like it's hard to consume enough protein or is it there's some other elements? Yeah, well, we've got um, uh, our whole source protein, the animal sources. So you've got the entire spectrum of amino acids and then in plant yep. protein, you don't. So that's okay. definitely yep. the factor there that kind of limits, uh, limits growth. Um, because as a vegan or a vegetarian, you absolutely, well, especially a vegetarian, but because you've got the eggs and stuff like that in there. But a vegan can definitely build muscle. Um, mm. I've seen it because I've got vegan clients. And um, mm. But are you sort of 
like female competitors can get away with being vegan because they don't need to have that level of muscle mass. But mm. yeah, you you will not be a giant bodybuilder mm-hmm. um, eating mm-hmm. being a vegan. Mm-hmm. You won't. It's it's fascinating. You mentioned the, the the giant bodybuilders and how often do you see somebody you know who's like that big mm-hmm. and that lean? Very rarely. Yeah. But I suppose natural public reaction would be steroids. Oh yeah, yeah. That would be the first thing they would say. Uh, or I, I, I would look like that you know, mm-hmm. if I took steroids. But what you've described over the course of this podcast is that it's just, that's probably one element. But yeah. what you're saying is that you're eating until you're not, you're eating so often and so much that you're never actually hungry. No. Wow. No. Okay. So, and in every session is... You've seen it. Yeah, I've seen Disgusting. it. And, and we, we, we watched it. It's, it's, um, it's quite something. So really, you know... What we're saying here is that this is a lifestyle that not many people understand at it's, all. It's a religious lifestyle. Mm. It is. It, it really is. It's. Um, I get. I get very passionate about this because obviously you got the whole kind of people who just like just destroy your your the work you've put in off one word. You know, there's the steroid accusation. Like, uh, I am, um, like this is what it's like. I will pay. I will pay for you to do my diet for a week. I guarantee you won't get past Wednesday. I guarantee you won't get past Wednesday. I guarantee you will not. Training like I do, the adherence to sleep, the adherence to making sure that everything's on point in terms of digestion, my food's in on time, um, you know, getting rid of no social life, all this sort of stuff. It's, It's bodybuilding does not have... The, the amount of respect that it should have. Mm. Yes, there's we're very, very open about anabolic use yep. and steroid use within the sport. Yep. I think that's a good thing because yep. we've got two we've got two ways you can go. You can go untested bodybuilding yep. or you can go natural bodybuilding. Yep. There is literally in our sport, you can go two ways. There's two ways you can go. Mm-hmm. So you can literally choose. It's mm-hmm. not um covered up like it is in other sports. Mm. Um yeah and that that anabolic piece is just one element. Mm-hmm. It's one part of the puzzle. It's, it is not the only. No, no. Or, or you know, um, the, the the what you're describing is that everything's important. Mm-hmm. We've not talked about sleep actually. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about sleep. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've got people that come to you saying, "I want to get huge," mm-hmm. and, I, 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 and I'm I'm doing everything. Mm-hmm. And then you say, "Well, how many hours of sleep are you getting at night?" Mm-hmm. I'm I'm guilty, but I'm mm-hmm. getting better. And they say, "I don't know, four or five hours." Mm-hmm. I'm working so hard. I don't, I don't need sleep. Yeah, but really, you do. Sleep is key. Yeah, and you sleep a lot, don't yeah. you? So I get, I get. <laughs> you sleep I, a lot. Yeah, I try get, I try get eight hours a night, and I try and do two naps during the day as well. Yeah. So even yeah. if the naps are only fifteen minutes, that's enough to kind of recharge. Yep. and get what I need. But um, oh, it's 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 massively important. It's it's it wasn't until I started really prioritizing, I was like, oh, like the difference yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, it's it's insane just how much how important it is. I mean, you it's deprive key. yourself of sleep for twenty, no, say forty hours, you'll see how oh. bad like totally. you are across all fronts. Everything's ruined because of if totally. um, sleeping off. So, mm-hmm. um, if I don't get eight hours a night, mm-hmm. if I if, if I know that I'm not going to get eight hours a night, I get I get really agitated. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your sleep routine then like do you have do you take a certain supplement do you stop using your phone before a certain time um like what's your sleep repertoire 
I, I'm so busy with my work that I, I have to be on my phone or laptop until I go to bed. But it's never, I don't think it's ever impacted me mm-hmm. um, go to bed. So um, in terms of like sleep supplements, uh, ZMA, um, yep. GABA, melatonin. Sleep melatonin. Yeah. Every uh, night? Uh, every night, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10 milligrams. 10 milligrams is pretty big dose, but I yeah. guess you're a big guy, so... Yeah. Um, that Again, that's that's through experimentation. Yep. Done two, done five for a while. I thought, let's try 10. Yep. I was like, yeah, 10, I feel... You really, feel really good, yeah? Really good in the morning, yeah. I think so. melatonin is really interesting. Yeah. Um, there's some evidence, and I'm not as hot on it as I was at one point. Mm-hmm. I think that suggests in animal models that it can prevent or offset or delay some of the symptoms associated with neurodegenerative disease. I think Alzheimer's. I've read some of that, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting. I'm, yeah, it again, I'm not hot on it. I'm I'm going to get someone on here to talk about sleep yeah, and melatonin. Cool, yeah. Let's really explore it. But yeah. um, I think what I'm trying to say is it might have other benefits mm-hmm. in addition to improving your sleep. Um, and I'm fascinated that you've also with that experimented and, and yeah. got to a point where you think this is, this is it. Yeah, yeah. And do you think for all people, if they're really serious about wanting to look better or feel better that self-experimentation thing is really important um trying yeah, and tweaking yeah, yeah. I, would, I would say it is yeah mm-hmm. if not doing it yourself or getting a, a good getting coach a to coach. do it for you um that's definitely um you know there is no blanket plan you can hand someone a template but it will change mm-hmm. very quickly mm-hmm. um just to kind of ensure that it's kind of fully tailored to them mm-hmm. so yeah it's 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 not an exact science. Mm. Nutrition and bodybuilding is not an exact science. Mm. Um, there is no X Y Z. This is what you do. You'll look like that. It's it is very right. dependent on the person. Right. So, so there's the genetics piece, mm-hmm. and there's also the microbiome, which mm-hmm. is very different. I when I was in tra- when I got interested in this, no one was talking about the microbiome. I'm mm-hmm. going to say this. I mean training. Yeah. You know, look back at the old magazines. No one's talking about the microbiome. Yeah. But there are a lot of people now in the sport talking about the microbiome. Yeah. Like Lane Norton, for example, he's talking yeah. about the microbiome all the time. So it's becoming a thing that's becoming better appreciated. Yeah. And I think over the next five to 10 years, people like yourself and your clients will all be thinking about, in addition to um, what's my training like, it will also be what's my diet like yeah. for me, but also what's my diet like for my microbes. Yeah. Because if that's in a great place, then mm-hmm. my training's going to be good. You mentioned... Um, uh, elimination diets yeah and how for some of your clients and maybe even you you're experiencing better blood flow and yeah. so what what's that all about then you're you're changing your diet and you're experiencing like profound benefit mm-hmm. like across the board or i think what is it if we're talking about kind of if your body can digest and utilize nutrients from a certain source more efficiently than another then that's going to allow you to maximize the effects of training. So one of the, the things that many bodybuilders, bodybuilders seek and um, kind of base what is a good workout is off the pump and how much blood flow you can accumulate. Pump. Yeah, throughout the entire session. So if that's enhanced. What is the pump, sorry? Just as much, just blood flow, like, yeah. to, to the muscles. So it fe- when it's like, it feels like. Like, like, a start, like you know when, like, you run until your legs fall off cause, and they're throbbing by the end. That's, that's a pump. That's, that's the pump. lactate. Um, blood accumulation um so if that's if that feeling that sensation is greater then we know that your body is quote unquote utilizing those nutrients more efficiently um if it's from a certain source so i've seen elimination diets where um 
yeah, someone's been like, I've I've been bloated for the past three years and just kind of put up with it. Wow. Yeah, literally. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then what happened? You took them through a process? Yep, just, just one source at a time, mm -hmm. taking it out for three to five days, sometimes even longer. Um, seeing the effects, if there's no change, putting the source back in, taking another thing out, just, just doing that until you find the culprit. Um, and it the the uh, the culprits have, have ranged massively from a certain yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about that then. Yeah. So how, What have you seen? Um, let's go with maybe the, the biggest culprit. Um, Milk is one, isn't it? Well, they, that's, that's not really. That's, there's not a lot of that in a bodybuilding diet anyway. So um, oats, definitely oats is I think is is top is definitely top three uh, of sources that people. They just they just can't handle. Um, is that a gluten? Yeah. Element? So yeah. Yes. Yeah, so the thing is though, oats. I I'm, hope I'm right, but oats don't actually have gluten in them. What happens is when they're processed, that's when oat, uh, gluten's added in when it's contaminated with other okay. carbohydrate sources. Yeah. Uh, when you buy gluten free oats, those oats just haven't have gone through a complete gluten free process of going from the mill through to packaging. Got it. Um, Got it. So, but even that. Your, some people's guts can pick on mine can um if i eat um a particular brand just say supermarkets mm. own brand of, of oats mm. i will have digestive distress that day three to four hours later after eating that that doesn't happen with gluten-free oats so there is something there so um fascinating certain vegetables um broccoli and cauliflower are massive that's everyone's like chicken rice broccoli that's a bodybuilding diet yep. the amount of people who actually can't eat broccoli is it's really, really high. Mm -hmm. It's um, things like that. Apple? What about an apple? Not really noticed anything in terms of fruit um, too much. Bananas are sometimes an issue. Um, get a little bit of gastric issues with that. Um, I had one. What was that one there? Uh, things, a lot of products, like you got whey protein powders, yep. amino acid powders. These kind of things also have artificial things in them that interfere with the gut massively so um sometimes we just switch brands and it's sorted sometimes yep. we're like right we can't even use uh an amino acid supplement yeah and um, things like that so it's fascinating um that this exclusion diet the self-experimentation thing i think is mm -hmm. so important mm -hmm. and it's going to be a theme that i come back to over and over again on this podcast yeah because there is no one size fits all yeah definitely and yeah. if you want to take control of your microbiome you're mm -hmm. going to have to do a little bit of experimentation yeah. yourself yeah, 100 we noticed um in our office, because we provide all sorts of benefits for our staff in the form of food mm -hmm. and um, uh, sort of, well, drinks like this green juice, for example. Mm -hmm. And we mix it up. So we bring new stuff in, yeah. see if people like it. The, the, the thinking there is I'm trying to build an organization where people leave work healthier than when they come in through the door. Yeah. That's my vision. Yeah. And there's an element of not providing any of the bad type foods, mm -hmm. creating an environment where people can thrive, yoga during the week, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. I noticed recently we brought in a new type of protein bar mm -hmm. and it had a variety of things that hadn't been anything else, like soy protein I think was in there. Mm -hmm. And multiple people said to me that they had been feeling. Yeah. <laughs> They'd been running Awful. to the, yeah. yeah. So, so people have just avoided them. Yeah. So there must be some trigger in there. Yeah that everyone's reacting badly to. So mm -hmm. we're just going to stop that. Yeah. Um, but it, it aligns to to what you're saying. You you can eat something and then within three to four hours, mm -hmm. maybe even less time, something's happening. Yeah. 
And yeah. if you remove that, then, you know, your, your quality of life's going to improve. It's baffling to me how many people just go through life just accepting, like, right. you eat a certain thing, they feel a certain way. Right. But they'll still eat it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's mad. And, you know, like, how many, I, I'd like to get your opinion on this as well, like how much, right. just say, bowel cancer could we maybe right. avoid right. due to diet, you know, and right. people actually caring, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. or the, the knowledge around nutrition is, it's, the, all the amount of resources that are there is awful. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. Like, um, I, I've had people who have competed in mm -hmm. bodybuilding mm -hmm. for years mm -hmm. and didn't know that a banana was a carb. Like, come on. That is, that is, I remember he said that to me. I was like, please tell me you're joking. Please tell me you're joking. But look at the yeah. whole, look at the general population as a whole. Like, yeah. the nutritional knowledge is, is horrendous, yeah. let alone the digestion knowledge. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it, there, there definitely needs to be some sort of way to, mm -hmm. you know, try get more knowledge out there, really. So, you know. so, so there's a couple of things to unpack there. I mean, the bowel cancer question, I, I can't answer. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a big question. You know, how much would we have if, if everybody changed their diets in yeah. particular ways? My own view is that I think that bowel cancer and many, many other diseases, conditions would be less prevalent, less severe mm -hmm. if everybody took actionable, Agreed, yeah. you know, sort of solid change yep. every day. Yep. Um, so changing their diet, changing their sleep, all this kind of stuff. I think it all sort of makes a difference. 100%, yeah. General nutritional knowledge in this country, I think, is pretty poor. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really sure why that is. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good information out there on the internet. Much of it is conflicting, though. And yeah, people are that, always yeah. looking for a really quick, mm -hmm. simple fix. Like, can I take a pill, for example? Yeah. One of the things, the one of the things I've noticed is... So I have clients come to me and say, look, I found this thing on the shelf. Mm. Can I use this? Can we put it in the diet? Mm. And you'll look at it and it says, one serving includes mm. this. This is the, the nutritional breakdown of one serving. doesn't tell you what a serving is. Right. So what you're yeah. supposed to do with that information, you can't do anything. So the average person who isn't too clued up is going to look at that and go, okay, well, I'm going to assume a serving's a bag, mm. but then that's 30,000 calories. You know what I mean? So it, it's wee things like that. This, the, um, for instance, Last week, one of my clients came to me and said, "Oh, mate, I bought this. I bought this um, this different white rice from Sainsbury's." Mm. And I was like, "Okay." And he's like, "It says it's got twenty-four grams of carbs per hundred gram." And I was like, "That's wrong. If it's raw weight, if we're considering raw weight, it's sold in raw weight, so it should be in raw weight." But actually, that was definitely the the macronutrient breakdown of cooked rice. Yeah. So someone's going to take that and completely throw off how much they're taking in. Yep. Three months down the line, they've added ten pounds. Like, how have I done that? It's because wow. the, all the macronutrients are off. So yep. even if the supermarkets aren't getting it right, then yep. how do you expect? You know, I I walk around knowing hundreds of different foods macros just off the top of my head, but that's that's I'm quite a, unusual. That's unusual. Yeah. So yeah, how do you expect unusual. someone to make the right choices, the right decisions when right. even the supermarkets aren't labeling their food right? Right. Things like that. It's it's mad. Well, it's it's really it's really quite scary. It, it, so. What is also scary is just how available very calorie dense micronutrient light food is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think just instinctively based on how we've evolved, we're more likely to seek that because mm -hmm. it tastes good and it mm -hmm. triggers dopamine pathways in the brain. Yeah. I also think the bugs adapt. Mm -hmm. I can't really explain this scientifically. I'm hoping someone come come on here and, and just make a beautifully elegant explanation. <laughs> but yeah. I think that the bugs adapt 
to what's going in mm-hmm. and they might start to trigger cravings or they might be involved in, in cravings. Yeah. The gut is connected to the brain yeah. through some mechanisms that we do understand, but through others that I think need to be fully elucidated. Yeah. And people get into a cycle of chocolate, mm-hmm. sugar, so on, and then the cravings come and then they just get stuck there. Yeah. You mentioned colon cancer. Um, I think we as a society are very fiber deficient. Yep. So we should be targeting like 50 grams a day. Some of the Amazonian tribes are hitting like 80 plus grams of fiber a day and their microbiome looks very different to the Western population. Yeah. They also don't suffer from autoimmune disease. Yeah. Right? So yeah. What, what's going on there? I, know, I, know. I, I, I don't know. But I mean, what, what can we do for society to help people eat better? Is it an education thing? Is it an access thing? Mm. Is it, I mean, one of the things could be that people just don't know how good it feels to feel good. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Yeah. They've just never felt good. Yeah. If you've, if you've spent your entire life just like not eating the you know, whole source fresh foods, then yeah. you just accept that's the norm yeah. and that you'll go through your entire life doing that. So when you have clients who are very overweight, mm. you're, you're not trying to break, you're, you won't, you won't change that person in six months. Mm as much as I wish I could, mm. um, you're trying to battle 30 years of horrendous eating habits mm. to try and get that person back to a, a semi-decent place. But, mm. um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a cultural thing where mm-hmm. we're just bombarded from, with just awful nutrition from day one. Well, for a lot of people and, um, it's, it's about trying to break that cycle. I, I wish I could give you an answer yeah. of how we do that in, in, in Scotland. That's, yeah. that's, as I'm a monumental task. It's a big one. And yeah. um, we should maybe do an episode on it at some point. <laughs> For me, some key things would be early life intervention. Yeah. From a purely microbiome perspective, the early years are critical. Mm-hmm. That's when you start to form what it becomes later yeah. in life. Yeah. But also, you mentioned habits. Mm-hmm. Habits are so powerful. Yeah. Like how many days over the last three, six, five have you not brushed your teeth? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So why is that? It's a habit and you can't see yourself doing anything else. Yeah. So yeah. for you, you know, training is now a habit. Yep. Sleep over eight hours is a habit. And you mentioned you get a bit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. But you can get to that place with your diet too. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, the prospect of, I mean, for me, eating McDonald's three times a day for seven days. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. that feels like a form of torture. Yeah, just just thinking about that. I can't. Oh, yeah. Somebody did that though, didn't they? What was that again? There was a show. Uh, Super Size Me, wasn't it? Super Size um, Me, yeah, yeah. Super Size Me. Channel Four had that. What was that one? What happened to him again? He, he, oh, he, it was, he, it was, everything was off the charts by the end of the month. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, he, it was awful. I need to make a note to have a look <laughs> at that. Pre-diabetes again. or something like that by the end of the month. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he. Yeah, that, this goes back to the if it fits your macros type thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I forgot all about that. Um, and somebody on that show said, yeah, McDonald's is the problem or something like that, didn't mm-hmm. they? And they got in big trouble. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's been a while since I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think schools as well, that's really important. Now, I don't know about you, but what was lunchtime like at grammar school? Did you go to Marmaris and oh, yeah, the classical? Like, these, were, these were all like... <laughs> The, Honey chili chicken. I can't, I can't remember what year it was. It was it not. Maybe, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it was like 2007, 2008. Like the Scottish government put in like new rules as to what food could be served in schools, but that just forced all the kids to go to the to go outside. To right? go outside. So um, mm. maybe we need role models to say, "Look, guys, mm. just 
eat your veggies. It's a hard one because my diet was horrendous when I was that age. So it's a really hard, and I was served home cooked for all my life. Um, but your diet at school was bad. It was awful. Because that's what everyone else is doing. <laughs> that's you know, what everyone else is doing. On, like, yeah. Imagine, I don't know, uh, for me, for sure. maybe I just had a terrible, terrible friendship group, but if I whipped out a Tupperware box with a chicken breast and white rice in a school lunch hall, oh, you'd be obliterated. Like, you know, <laughs> there's no way you can eat that in front of your mates. They'd be like, what are you eating? Uh, uh, chicken breast and rice. Um, so, like I said, it's, a, it's definitely a cultural thing and because, like, a society thing. Do you think that with the invention of Instagram, mm -hmm. there are more children now or people at school who are eating like that because they've got idols that they yeah, can connect so, yeah. with so yeah. easily? I hope there is. Yeah, because there might there be kids in school now mm -hmm. who at 16 have said, I want to be a bodybuilder. They could be following you. Yeah. Right? And your video logs and such yeah. like. Yeah. Well, when, when I got into this, I I didn't know anything about nutrition, but I did not I did know what was good and bad food. I did know that I, I can't be eating, you know, like a mince pie and chips for, for lunch. I knew I couldn't be doing that. So mm -hmm. I was like, right, okay, for lunch instead, I'll bring a tuna sandwich and like a packet of like Walker's Light. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I did for a wee while. And then eventually I kind of like, right, let's go for like mm -hmm. pasta dishes and stuff like that rather than the, mm -hmm. the crap you get from shops. So... Um, and I looked up to bodybuilders and I saw what they were eating. I was like, well, they're not eating crap, so I, I can't be eating crap. So, yeah, I do think with social media being a, a, a far greater tool than it was 10, 15 years ago, mm. we will see hopefully a shift in how children and teenagers eat mm. and then set them but up. So. There's all, and, I, and I agree, there's also danger, though. I mean, we mentioned the Photoshop. Mm -hmm. I think there's a danger that they get an unrealistic expectation mm. around, you know, what they can achieve mm -hmm. and also feel almost self-conscious because everyone apparently looks so beautiful all the time mm -hmm. is it not the case that a lot of the stuff that people idolize is like one photo taken at the end of what you call a prep mm -hmm. the right lighting mm -hmm. maybe they've had some editing the filter and that kind of stuff that that's kind of generally true isn't it yeah definitely you know? yeah 100%, so yeah. can anybody look like that all year round you can but then you're touching on a different subject of how unhealthy that is to look a particular to be like bone shredded all year, year round. round that is like like i said earlier it's controlled starvation to like that you're literally mm. controlling how quick how quickly you're dying from malnutrition like look at it that way wow. that's that's a pretty like extreme way to look at what bodybuilding dieting is but that's essentially that's, it if you continue to go and go and go you'd eventually die like you would mm. um, and ha so. ha have have people died not from no nah, not not from malnutrition no um the the kind of deaths that you see in bodybuilding come from like diuretic use things like that um where you've you've depleted your body massively of electrolytes and obviously we know that there's a fine balance of that so oh, exquisitely yeah fine-tuned so, so people can go the wrong way and, and yeah mm. yeah so mm. but um that's yeah. i guess the dark side to the sport yeah yeah it, it definitely doesn't have um mm. It's, it's definitely not all, you know. But for the general population, it's never going to happen to them. No. So what would you say are like core key pieces of advice to somebody who wants to get into good shape? Mm -hmm. Not become as big as humanly possible because yeah. we touched on that and it's the failure, it's the eating so much that you basically never hungry. But yeah. for like the, the more so like the general listener mm -hmm. or the general person, they want to get into shape. Mm -hmm. What What are the key elements do you think that they should be looking at? And that can range from the training, the diet, get a coach, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, 
number one would be to like form, start to develop good habits. Yeah. So take one thing at a time. It doesn't have to be yep. nutrition, training, cardio. Everything has to be hundred percent from the from the get go. It could be saying next week get up at six and I'll go for a thirty minute walk, and then the month later get up at six, go for my walk, prep my meals for the day. It's, it's, it's that habit forming over time. That is that is the most crucial part to being as fit and healthy as possible. So what you're saying is, I think, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but <laughs> I think what you're saying is don't try and do everything at once. At once. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So make a small change. Again, I don't like using myself as an example because I'm a very extreme example, but this is... My habits have been formed over 14 years of training, yep. 14 years of bodybuilding. Yep. So, and I'm a very disciplined person, um, regardless of what, if it's sport, business, anything, I'm, I think I'm very, very disciplined. Yep. Um, so for someone who's maybe doesn't, who maybe lacks that, that just shows you the length of time that you need to invest in, in developing these habits. Can discipline be taught? Or, or learned? Is it something that's innate in people or do you think people can become disciplined? Yeah. They can? Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I definitely think it can be, I can be taught. Um, I grew up in a household where um, I was told that nothing's handed to you on a plate. You have to work for everything that you want in life. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's that's always that's always lived with me. But don't get me wrong, that was always my mum. That came from my mum. And my mum wasn't some sort of high-flying entrepreneur. She was just... Mm -hmm. Just a nurse for forty years, but right. she was like, "If you want anything, you need to you need to graft for it. You got to put the work you in. You got to put the work in." And um, I knew that doing like first jobs as like a paper boy. I knew I needed to do three paper rounds instead of one if I want to make more money, like yeah. all this sort of stuff. So it's mm -hmm. it's definitely ingrained. And um, from a sporting aspect, like the the dedication that I have towards bodybuilding was, and um, like the coaches that I had growing up through rugby and stuff, they all kind of played a huge role. Um, they probably don't think they did, but they definitely did. Um, um, you know, you know, Kev Wyness. I do. Yeah, yeah. So Kev. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I don't know him personally, but I know exactly who you're talking. Yeah, about. a very <laughs> bra. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was um, at the time. I hated him. I hated. <laughs> I hated him being coached by him. He was just so brutal. But looking back, I'm like, mm -hmm. maybe that's why I'm so brutal with my bodybuilding mm -hmm. because I just had the that person at that time in my life tell me you must do this, you must do that. Um, I'd done Taekwondo before I played rugby. Um, David Harrell um, was um, the coach with that as well. And he was like, you wouldn't mess with him. Like he was, again, that discipline instilled from five, six years old. That is, I think that's kind of carried me forward. So discipline is, is key, isn't yeah, it? It's, yeah. it's, it's core. And for you, it seems like it could be so easy to just go, I'm not hungry. Yeah. Or, oh my goodness, 220 kg to total failure. Mm -hmm. And also on that, is there some element in your brain that's like, and this is going to sound very pessimistic. Is there some element in your brain that's like, okay, if something snaps mm -hmm. or if I get dizzy, mm -hmm. particularly when you're at the end of a prep mm -hmm. and I lose consciousness or I slip, then there's 220 plus kg on my back mm -hmm. and I, I could die. Like, mm -hmm. does that ever come into your head? Or do you just, and if so, how do you deal with that? Um, yeah, I think you'd, I think every human being mm. would think the worst may happen. Mm. Um, I tore my hip last July mm -hmm. and going into 
all kind of my leg sessions now. I'm like, is my is my hip going to tear again? Is it going to hold up for this set? Still there. Still like there. It's a nickel in your brain. Yeah. Mm. But there's also a part of me, some people may consider it destructive, where I'm just going to say, I don't care what happens. I don't care. I'll do this set. If my body breaks now, that was the price to pay. The price to pay, sorry. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one of the dark places though, isn't it? You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I said at the start of the podcast, like when I train certain exercises, like you have to be violent. Like you have to go to a violent place mm -hmm. in your head. I'm not, a, I'm not a violent person. Like most people aren't, but mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I kind of uh, picture in my head is like just someone trying to hurt someone I care for. Mm. And that's the kind of like aggression. I mean, you've seen it in my videos and stuff. Uh, and you've seen, you've seen me train in person as well. Yeah. And that's the kind of place I'm in. Um, so It's not the first time I've heard somebody say that, mm -hmm. who's at an elite level in strength sport or bodybuilding, mm -hmm. maybe even any sport, yeah. and, and they call it the dark place. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so it's it's not a place you should be in no. constantly. It's, it's, it's not... I don't know if it's healthy. It's, oh, it's definitely not healthy, no. It's, but you need to, mm. like, you need that level of aggression and flight in the fight or flight response. Yep. Uh, sorry, fight in the or fight or flight response to do that. Yep. You, you just you just can't because, like you said, it's, it's pretty unsafe. And, mm -hmm. You know, you're trying to really push your body to the certain place. And if you've not got aggression, you, you can't do it. You just can't do it. So I've, I have these mental cues that I go through prior to lifting that kind of weight. You know, I listen to <clears throat> like death metal, death core music, that kind of helps. These, so. these cues, these are like fictional scenarios that you think about some one of family member getting hurt or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the things I go through. Um, how, how, I, how do you make, sorry to cut you off, but how, how do you make sure that doesn't seep into your life away from the gym? No one's ever asked me that. Because um, that's, I don't know. I, I don't a, know how I tap into it and, and yeah. turn, I, but I do turn it off. I just turn it off. You turn it off. When the set's done, I don't think about it anymore. Because that's a really, this goes without saying, but a horrible thing mm -hmm. to think about. And I guess for it to have the effect that you want it to have, mm -hmm. it's got to be real in your head for yeah, at yeah. least a moment yeah. in time. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, that's, I think, wow. if, if you can channel, that's where bodybuilding's amazing. Like I spend, I, I rarely get, angry or irate because mm -hmm. I'm channeling so much aggression into my training that, that I've got none left for the rest of the day. Um, you talk about outlets and stuff and, you know, fitness and bodybuilding is definitely a very, very positive one to kind of release that. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, um, that's developed over time. Um, it's just, it's just a place that you have to, you have to pull yourself and just kind of imagine these thoughts. And, so. and do you speak to many people about it or is it more of a, this is an Andy thing? You know, I keep, um, it, I keep it to myself. Yeah, it's, like I said to you, like, if you're trying to be, you're trying to put yourself in a violent place, if you tell someone off the street that, that's like, oh God, I'm not, yep. going, I'm not going anywhere near this guy. Yep. Um, but I'm, I'm fairly open, like what I depict and what I go into the session, it's. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, we'll bring it back to someone on the street, see someone as big as you and they go, mm -hmm. you know. But actually, this is another thing now, in addition to all the other things that mm -hmm. we discussed um, on this episode, mm -hmm. is that dark place that you need to go to yeah. to lift the weights. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I find that absolutely fascinating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Could you do it thinking about rainbows and positive? No, no, no chance. It, well, hold on a second. Um, let me just push back on, on you a little bit. Because um, really, you're training your mind, mm -hmm. aren't you? 
And there's various different ways to train your mind, techniques, tools, methodologies, and it differs between the East and the West in terms of the philosophies. But Mm -hmm. could you, with help from somebody, maybe unlock that, I guess it's a a, a fight fight or flight response through positive thoughts? Like, can you get so excited or is it you just need that dark, mm. violent image to, to, to lift the weights that you're lifting? Because that could be, it's maybe healthier to think positively, I guess. I'm, I'm, I, there is an aspect on my lift that is positive. Mm. I want, one of the things that I'll tell myself when I'm weighted, just say do like a 220 squat is, I've beaten this weight before. It's not going to beat me. I think that's very positive. Like, that is I, have, I have clients who, they're a way to get under the bar and like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Automatically, you've killed that set. You've already implanted it in your brain. That's it. So if you tell yourself, I've already defeated this weight, mm. it, can't, it can't beat you again. It can't beat you again. So, but no, I, th- I think, I, I, I always scale everything back in, t- in terms of like evolution. So like 70,000, 80,000 years ago, you know, there was existential threats everywhere to your family and to yep. people that you that you loved. Yep. So you had to be forced into that place. And I think I think aggression and violent aggression is I, I, I personally believe it's a very natural emotion to have. It's just unlocking that because in today's society we don't have to. Well hopefully a lot of us don't have to yep. take us to that place. But that is there in everyone. That aggression is that's what I try and tell clients who are getting very serious about lifting weights is you need to try and unlock that somehow. And um, for myself, I'm lucky I grew up in a very um, masculine environment with all the sports that I did. So kind of tapping into that was was a little bit easier than maybe the average person, but um, yeah. I think anyone who's achieved a very high level of anything mm-hmm. knows that there's places that you need to go to in your mind mm-hmm. to make sure that you perform at your very, very best or you achieve something that you otherwise yeah. wouldn't be able to. Yeah. Um, but lifting an immensely heavy thing Mm-hmm. is probably a little bit different to, you know, well, it is a little bit different to other things, and the yeah. mindset is probably yeah. a bit different. Yeah. Um, Andy, we've really got a couple of minutes left, so we've been talking for good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, Mark's been coming around saying, <laughs> five minutes, five minutes. Just a couple more now before we finish up. Any advice for your past self, if you could go back in time and, and say, hey, Andy, just, um, just think about this or do this. Yeah. You know? If we're talking about, like, going right back, I wish I could, I wish I had this amount of, like, we're talking about that aggression just there. Yeah. On a rugby pitch. Right. How, like, how much better my, my training, my sorry, my performance on the pitch would have been. Mm-hmm. Because you know yourself, you, you rocked up sometimes and you're like, oh, can we bother this morning? You know, it's too cold. Or usually in Scotland, it was like, oh, it's far too cold. Often very cold. Yeah. And you land like, oh, in that puddle, it's yeah. covered in a bit of sleet and snow, and it's like, wow. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I think if I had the attitude that I have towards my current training, I think I'd have been a different beast on, on a playing field. So, um, Anything nutrition-wise, sleep-wise, you know? Um, yeah. Going back nutrition, like I said, I, I kind of picked that up quite quickly, even though I didn't really know what I was doing. But yeah, d- definitely, we'll talk about gut health. Obviously, this is a podcast is all about. It's it's going back and not eating certain things just because so and so was eating it. Things like that. I did a lot of that back in the day. A lot of um, a lot of stuff like eating like sweet potato, 
um, salmon, all these sort of things just really do not agree with me. Mm. But uh, so-and-so top uh, top bodybuilder was eating it. You must eat that. Things like that. I would tell myself to avoid doing that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, because again, I remember when I sorted my gut out and I was like, my God, the difference to everything. That, the difference to everything. It was just, I couldn't believe it. And um, it was amazing how when I, one of my clients, uh, Kieran, a couple of weeks ago, he was the same. He's like, what a difference. He's been bodybuilding since, he's been competing since he was 15. And he was like, I can't believe the difference. Just sorting, changing a few things. That's, wow. all, that's all it took. The difference in his quality of life. Quality of life, quality of training. Wow. Everything, like not walk, not walking about with a bloat 24-7 is, wow. you, when that's gone, you're like, my God, I actually walked about with that for wow. five plus years. So, wow. Yeah. And it's just one, one change. I just don't eat this or that, eat yep. that. And yeah. I feel immeasurably better. Yeah. So that's literally it. Yep. Amazing. And on yeah. that note, <laughs> <laughs> let's cut it um hey andy thanks so much man thank you very much no problem appreciate that that was a really good conversation yeah it was excellent to learn more about the guests on today's episode or more about the inside matters podcast please visit insidematters.health thank you